0: Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking fucking Killing Me. me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And thank you guys for tuning in. This is our third week and our third episode for Illuminato. We have Alex Rand, who's one of the producers for Illuminato. And Alex Rand produces the Illuminating Ideas portion of the festival. And there are still some events that you can still attend. Um, These are panels, and they kind of coincide with events that are happening within the festival. So there's the LGBTQ plus censorship in art, which is happening June 21st. There's the witch hunts through history, which is happening June 22nd. And there's the Mapplethorpe look at the pictures, which is happening June 21st. And the film Southwest of Salem, the story of the San Antonio four is happening June 22nd. There is another event happening in the city. As you know, a few weeks ago, we interviewed Zest Creative about their fringe show that they are producing that will be happening in July as a part of the Toronto Fringe Festival. And for it, they are doing a fundraiser. And it is a Zest Creative music bingo. And it's happening at bureaucracy at 8 p.m. The game's beginning at 8.30. Admission by donation, which is a minimum of $10. And everybody should go because it's going to be so much fun.
1: Also, it's a great idea for a fundraiser.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So smart. Go support some local talent. And also go buy your Illuminato tickets. You have only about six days left and use code Galpal 15 for some money off. There's still some awesome events coming to you mm-hmm. right of spring. Obia opera. There's tons of great yeah productions. So if you haven't yet, go see house of mirrors. Yes. Go see house of mirrors. It's amazing.
2: It was so cool. Um, here we go. Thank you. Okay.
0: Alex. Hi. Talk about the shows that you're producing.
2: Um, so I'm producing uh, a plethora of shows this year. Yeah, so, I can see that. Um, one of my main projects that I do is what we call the Illuminating Ideas series, which is a series of like panel discussions and community engagement events and films that um, take the themes of the shows at Illuminato and kind of amplify them or give them a different sort of way in for an audience to sort of experience that. Um, so I'm doing some panel discussions or forums about uh, climate change, and I'm doing one about like witch hunts throughout history. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, yeah, that one's going to be really exciting. Who's on the
1: panel? panel. For the, it's who's on the panel for it's it? like
2: um. So we've got Denise Balkasun from the Globe and Mail is going to be moderating it, and then we've got three really awesome women who are all from really different experiences. So Hyacinth Simpson, who's a professor at uh, Ryerson who works in like the Salem witch trials and knows a lot about like post-colonial Caribbean literature Uh, because it's coming, it's sort of inspired by Obia opera. And then I've got two um, lawyers and one of them works with people who have been like uh, put in prison for things that they didn't do. And so she Mm. helps like get them out of jail because they're innocent. So she's uh, here from the Innocence Project Canada and the other lawyer is working with people who have uh, who are continuously sort of being prosecuted. I don't know the total legal terms right mm-hmm. of that, but uh, um, working with people who have like cannabis uh, charges who are still oh, wow. In the system as being like criminals. Right. Nations, but now it's legal. It's legal. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's like a very contemporary sort of witch hunt. Yeah. Um, they're totally. all like really awesome women of color who are like really excited. Like I'm getting like daily emails from all of them being like, this is what I want to talk about. Can we talk about this? Yeah. And, um, and that's going to be right after a. Film that I'm presenting with hot dogs called Southwest by Salem, which is a story of these four lesbians in Texas who were put in jail for a crime that they did not do. So it's a right. It's going to be a heavy afternoon for sure, but I think it's.
0: I'm really excited. Yeah, I want to go so bad. Yeah, yeah. and it's like oh. a
2: really great. Um, and so there's two shows that kind of deal with witch hunts in the festival this right. year. One is Obia Opera, which is the sort of Salem, witch trials a cappella foot stomping musical, and the other is a show called Hell's Fury, which is about Hans Eisler, who was a. A composer in Hollywood during the sort of blacklist McCarthy era time. So, yeah. did you
0: make those connections with the women that are going to be on the panel through the Amal Clooney event that you did last year?
2: No, I. Uh, so I did do the Amal Clooney event, but that yes. was um, no. This was just like a big part of my job is researching people. Like oh, I go, I do a lot of reading the news, I watch a lot of TED talks, I watch a lot of you know just to sort of see who's out there and who's speaking about these kinds of issues. The Amal Clooney thing was a totally different um, okay. beast, which was. Yeah, so that was one of the projects I did last year that uh, was kind of like this epic. That was when the Illuminating Ideas program went to like this like epic stratospheric moment of like we're gonna have one high level talk about some of our themes, which last year were about like the justice system and mm-hmm. right. um, feminism, and you know th- a lot of the themes are actually still recurring because the artistic director Josephine Ridge last year was really interested in that, and Naomi Campbell this year is really interested in that. So
0: also the world everything that's happening. Also, happened, the, world. I mean, totally, also totally. the world. I mean, I think it's going to be like on everybody's lips for a few years. Oh, now with yeah, like, for sure. For especially sure. with these fucking abortion laws. That I
2: know happen, it's, 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 uh, it's really crazy. And I think, um, one of the things that we talk a lot about is like, what is the role of an artist as an activist? And I think, mm-hmm. so we're bringing in shows that are really sort of activist focused. And so one of my jobs in the ideas program is to, um, to illuminate that art activism in a different way, mm-hmm. and actually one of the projects that we're doing this year is with the Five Nineteen, and it's sort of a community art project where we're sort of opening up one of their hall, or one of the, the main hallway, and the sort of big room in the wow. main lobby.
1: Residence, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. Yeah.
2: The, yeah. It's called the artist, the art of resistance. And it's, um, it's open for 11 days and people can just like come in and draw and paint all over the walls. And it's sort of a, Oh, that's cool. It's sort of inspired by like a burning man temple esque yeah. kind of thing where you can go and just like mourn or grieve or express yourself mm-hmm. specifically looking at like the LGBTQ community. So we're, you know, we're presenting a show about LGBTQ censorship. Uh, it's called triptych eyes mm-hmm. of one another. So I'm doing, you know, a panel discussion about censorship and art, and then there's this art project as well. So it's kind of, yeah, I'm trying to find ways for people to, like, get involved in a way that it works for them, right? Right.
1: Accessibility. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I have a question. So when you have an idea like this, and then you're researching, like, illuminating ideas, and Mm -hmm. you're researching who you want to be a part of it, Mm -hmm. what are the first steps when contacting those people?
2: Um...
1: Like, do you just like cold call
2: them? I cold call. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It sort of depends. Like if they have an agent or like a speaking bureau, then I kind of go through there. But I do a lot of what I call the state of the union email, (laughs) which is like, here's who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm doing. Right this is what it is and how much I can offer you. And mm-hmm. then I wait a couple days and then I follow up. And then sometimes I pick up the phone, but um,
0: <laughs> and sometimes
2: that works. And then usually with my panel discussions, I try and get my moderator or so kind of locked in first and then right. I ask them for some suggestions. So, okay. um, you know, I don't want to be the only person choosing it. I think for, especially for like the witch hunts, I talked to Denise Balkasur and I was like, who are you mm-hmm. really interested in? Because cool. ultimately so much of this depends on the moderator and uh, they have to really drive it. So Denise gave me a really great list and uh,
0: yeah. Great.
2: Yeah, but a lot of cold calling.
1: Yeah, a lot of cold calling. uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, Amal Clooney was a cold call, too, and that just worked out. Her people. That's crazy. Her people came to our people, and I was that people, so it all <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean,
0: I was that I people. I was
2: that people, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you
0: seem really focused on, especially with this looming ideas, is mm-hmm. these uh, three, four subjects. There's the climate change, yep. the LGBTQ, yep. T+, yep. um, the sorry, the Salem witch trials or yeah. the witch hunt that's happening. Yeah. And then what was the other The one? fourth
2: one is, um, like male community and through sports. So, right. Um, Monday
0: nights is going to be super relevant. Exactly.
2: Exactly. I mean, yeah. relevant both in terms of like what what's happening in a post sort of Me Too world in the male community mm-hmm. but also like the Raptors are doing really well. Um, yeah.
1: Isn't that just great?
2: That yes. is Woo. really great. Our marketing teams would be happy with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, we all are. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we're doing uh, we're presenting a there's a sort of a nine part documentary series that was made by the NFB called True North and it follows these young men and their fathers as they're like learning to be really great basketball players. So we're presenting like the first four parts of it, and then we're doing a panel discussion with some of the filmmakers and the people who are in the film about like what does it mean like how important are the sport is basketball for you in terms of like building healthy male community what does it mean to like rediscover healthy locker room talk, right? Right. What happens behind the scenes there and, um, and how can we hold people accountable? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, it's interesting. I think we're kind of veering and you know, it's political with a capital P for sure. Yeah.
1: Do you find that, are you finding this male community through sports also has lots of links to the LGBTQ
2: community? Oh, it's just like, not as much as actually the witch hunts does. Like there's a yeah. lot of crossover between the witch hunts and the LGBTQ okay. community. Yeah, yeah. I, think. I So so. Um, yeah, like I haven't really found that, but I'm sure if I, I I would. I think with because of True North being like a group of people who are already like part of it and they're like in the movie, it's been very focused on that. We haven't sure. kind of gone broader yet. I'm sure mm-hmm. that that will become a bigger conversation. Like, these conversations kind of grow. Like you say, like right. every year a different thing happens, but. Yeah. It's cool.
1: Super cool. Yeah.
2: It's fun. It's like gonna be that's one of the fun parts of my job is like then the event will happen. And I get to just like sit there and listen and like have people share learn. these ideas and learn exactly. Yeah. And, and I learned a lot growing up, like through these kinds of events too, like going to talks yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so speaking a little bit about growing up, you didn't really have a traditional education.
2: No. Um uh so I when I grew up in Victoria, British Columbia, and uh, wh- I went to—I didn't go to high school. So I, after grade eight, I told my parents that I didn't want to be in school anymore, and uh, and they were
1: okay with
2: that. They were because I created a very impressive PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> which is actually to this day the only PowerPoint presentation I've ever made. Like I spend a lot of time on PowerPoint and I edit and I read PowerPoints, but I've never made one. Um, So that's not a special skill of mine, but I made this PowerPoint presentation and basically I'd heard about a friend who did correspondence and I was like, I want to do this. And my parents, uh, agreed. And I did it for basically I, they let me do it on the caveat that for grade nine, uh, which was the first year I did it, that I would not, my grades would not go down. And so I had to like work really hard and my grades like totally went up. And, um, yeah, so I, Taught myself until grade 12 Mm -hmm. at home, and I graduated early, like six months early, um, and then I moved to the UK when I was 18. I was an actor. That was the other big weird bit. So the whole time I was working as an actor, uh, doing like kind of professional children's stuff in Victoria and a few other shows around town, and so the idea of homeschooling actually came out because I had to miss like two months of school when I was 13 because I was doing a show and of Green Gables, the musical. Mm-hmm. And um I was kind of worried that like, oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to keep up with my schooling and then I like loved it. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh right, there's I was pretty good at school, so there was no um there's nobody asking questions. Right. <laughs> like, if I just got it, I got it and I could kind of move ahead. And then I would do like production like for example I'd do like a production at The Tempest and I was like sixteen and then like in grade 12 or grade 11 English, there was a whole section on, like, The Tempest. And mm-hmm. so I was like, can I just skip this? And the school was like, yeah, okay, you can challenge for the exam. And so I just went and did the exam. And because I'd already done the play, like, I knew it. Right, you'd like experience,
0: experience from it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So
2: I, uh, I was able to sort of, like, jump ahead at times. And I worked through the summer. And, like, I never really did more than two hours a day on school because you, if you think about it, like, a lot of schooling is just, like, listening to people talk and breaks. Yeah. Yeah so you basically when you're homeschooling you're just doing the equivalent of homework
0: yeah. And, uh, yeah so
2: I did that and then I moved to London and then I didn't go to university either so
0: what did you do when you were in London?
2: I was an actor for uh, f- four years right um, and then I got very bored of acting mm. and then I went into I did some directing I did some playwriting and then I kind of fell into producing mm. and then I still sort of direct and produce but,
1: what What was the first moment you noticed you were bored when you were acting? as an actor? yeah um,
2: uh, the first moment was, mm, mm. Uh, I was watching, a re- I was in a rehearsal for this, like, it was actually like a dance workshop, which is interesting. And I was sort of sitting there and I was watching the choreographer, like teach somebody like some movement. And I was like, Oh, I would do this differently. And then I just sort of sat there watching it. And then she like kept doing it. And I was like, I would do this differently. And then I was like, Oh, I, yeah. And then I switched off because I just was no longer engaged. And so then mm. I started to like notice it trickling in. And then I did like the last big show I did as an actor when I was 22 was a, as another production of The Tempest, which mm. is funny that I've now, I've been in two productions of The Tempest and I've mentioned them both. <laughs> and um, I really struggled to like learn the lines. Like I could not, I didn't care enough to want to learn the lines. Mm. I mean, eventually I did and I did learn the lines and that was great, but I spent... It was like pulling teeth to get me to learn the lines. And I was like, mm, that's a really big part of being an actor.
0: Yeah. So
2: <laughs> I should, uh, maybe I should stop this. Yeah. And then I stopped and I've never once missed it. Like oh, it's wow. not Yeah. Like I just sort of, I'd been thinking about it for a while and I knew I wanted to try directing and try producing. And mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever once been like, I miss acting.
0: Was it hard for you to finally like tell yourself like, oh yeah, this isn't what I'm doing anymore?
2: Um, Nope.
0: No, no, it was easy? It
2: was pretty easy. Yeah. I think also Yeah, it kind of coincided with like a time when I was like, you know, I was like 22, most people are like finishing university. I, yeah. So there's like a natural kind of change of life at that moment and I was starting mm-hmm. to become like a bit more aware of things that were happening in the world and had like opinions about things that were happening in the world and I felt like when I was acting, I was constantly just getting like the same roles, the same types of shows and I wasn't really able to like put a Not stamp probably. on things in the same way. Right. That when you're making a project, whether it's producing or writing or directing, you kind of, excuse me, you can do that. Um, so it just felt like a really natural right. change of path.
0: You get
1: to have your voice Yeah. when yeah. you're making yeah. your own thing. Yeah, things. exactly. It's, it's a little bit different than making someone's um, ideas come to life. Exactly, exactly.
2: Right? And I'm not saying that, like, you know, obviously actors are great and actors uh, are really valuable for a creative process, mm-hmm. but it, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, and yeah. I think I, I didn't want to be... In uh, a sort of in somebody else's vision, I wanted to have the vision.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: The vision. The vision.
2: Sorry. (laughs) Oh god. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then you started producing and directing.
2: Yep. Exactly. So I did that in London, and then uh, was there till twenty sixteen. Wow. I always had a job, by the way. Like I always had a restaurant job.
0: Oh yeah. Just for
2: because I feel like a lot of people talk about like I was an actor, but it's like I never made any money.
0: Too. No, right. So, you always had a side gig. I think like disclosure. 90% of the people aren't actually making money. Yeah,
2: exactly. And, yeah. But no one talks about that. So I just thought I'd mention that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I never <laughs> we all really, have side gigs. Yeah, <laughs> I never
2: made enough money to freelance as only an actor or director. So I always worked in either events or restaurants or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, right. Yeah.
0: I
1: think that's really valuable though. I think having multiple experiences obviously gives you the tools to be better at what
2: you do
1: yeah and it gives you perspective oh totally yeah. and really shows you priorities totally mm-hmm.
2: i think it's like people come into producing in a really different pathway like a lot of my colleagues or producers came in either through designing or it through stage management and right because i came in through the kind of creative pathway it means that like i may not be able to talk about the technical stuff in the same mm-hmm. way that mm-hmm. other people can but i can translate what an artist is trying to say and turn that into like a,
1: right.
2: you know, a reality.
1: And you can hire the technical people.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and when I get bored at shows, I spend a lot of time thinking about technical stuff. So I'm learning about technical stuff too. So right. Be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.
0: Yeah. So you've been with Luminato for three years.
2: Yeah, two, uh, two and a half. Yeah. Since what January. was your
0: original position with them?
2: So I started as the production coordinator in for the 2017 festival, which is a different job. But right. uh, I... It's a it's a more administrative job. You work with the executive producer. I kind of managed all the schedules and, and you know purchase orders and helped out where I could. And it's kind of like being the assistant producer on all the shows, but without that official wording.
1: Without the title. Right. Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. You end up learning a lot about how producers do their job and you're there to do the administrative stuff. You right. work a lot on how to write contracts. You learn how to How their budgets work and all that. Right. Oh, cool. So I did that for six months, and then I sort of transitioned into the role I have now.
0: I was going to say because, like, three years working with them, and the role that you have now is like such a huge portion of the festival. It's just you really like glided your way up.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's growing too. Like, I, I think when I started in my current role. And the idea of the Ideas program and the Illuminating Ideas work kind of came about. I don't think any of us expected it Amal Clooney to be the thing that happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> which was amazing and it was great. And But it was like stratospheric in a mm-hmm. way that I was producing that and a few other shows. I was producing this like immersive dinner in Casa Loma with an illusionist that was like so many moving parts. Right. And I went from basically being like an administrative support role to, being, to producing the two uh, highest revenue earning shows of the festival last year. So that was like a big,
0: and then, right.
2: you know, then you just want to keep doing that. So
0: yeah, so like, I, I kind keep of, building.
2: exactly. So this year felt much more like I kind of landed and I was like, okay, now I know what I'm doing and, uh, <laughs> and I know how the systems work and I yeah. know, and now I can have a bit more space to like think about ideas versus just try and keep up with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. which is what a mall cleaning kind of felt like at the time.
1: <laughs> you felt like you were just, like, keeping up? Like...
2: Yeah, I feel like I didn't really know what I was doing, and, you know, like nobody really knows what they're doing, but nobody right. talks about that, right? No. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I was pretty, it was at Roy Thompson Hall. There was, like, mm-hmm. 2,600 people. We were trying to sell tickets. She's a celebrity, and, like, all that stuff that comes with being a celebrity and then Sophie Trudeau came to do the opening speech, and then I was dealing with all the, like, stuff that comes with the prime minister's wife. Where you're yeah, like, right. Oh, right. Nobody... There was nobody who really taught me how to do that, and we were all kind of figuring it out together.
0: Were you also having yeah. to work with, like, the budget... Illuminato at that point, too, because I'm sure, I mean, like, when they tell you, okay, you're going to do illuminating ideas, you have to Mm -hmm. try and find people. Mm -hmm. When they gave you the original budget, I'm sure that budget didn't include security for Sophie Trudeau or security for Amal Clooney.
2: Correct. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs)
0: You know? Right? Of course it didn't. (laughs) So
2: Amal Clooney was a bit of a different thing where it, uh, it as a sh- normally yes i'm given a budget for right. my other ideas it's like here's your budget go and make magic happen with this one because <laughs> stuff out of your ass yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this one was kind of an anomaly and uh i had to we created a budget for what the event would cost uh and then we had to through our ticket revenue and sponsorship cover oh, yeah. up the cost of that which yeah. is a slightly different way than what we would normally do at luminato um, but So that was, you know, I learned, that was a huge learning curve yes. in terms of, I learned a lot about marketing, I learned a lot about tickets, I learned a lot about the like corporate packages that we, right and we also, we had it in our mind that we really wanted to make sure the event was accessible to everyone, so totally. there was a whole whack of tickets that were available for free for, like, young women, there was yes. a whole bunch of tickets available for $30 for people who were under the age of 30, yes. um, and then there was obviously people people who could afford to pay more, did pay more, to sort of subsidize that. Right. Yeah, it was a... I learned a lot on that show. Yeah. But this year is much more, much easier this year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Wow. Um, did you, and you guys sold that event out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, that is absolutely the marketing team. Like I was, I sort of, you know, supported where I could, but we had an incredible marketing team to sort of push that up the hill. Right. And,
0: and the names really help i'm sure as well oh yeah yeah
2: yeah we got a lot of press and mm-hmm. having having the celebrity was great and and we also totally lucked out that she was also like hosting the met gala and she went to the royal wedding and she just had twins like she was in the news in a, a way lot that right. she isn't at the same Right now. now. Right. Okay. Totally.
0: The timing exactly. worked out. The timing worked. Yeah. She, so she would have been pregnant when, or did she just had her twins?
2: She had the babies. a year. So I first spoke to her on the phone uh, on, the, on the first, <laughs> on the twin's first birthday. Wow. Yeah, we could, like, it was, so Josephine Ridgina, who was the former artistic director, we called because it was part of the deal that we'd have like a pre, right. pre-interview call and uh, it was their first birthday and she had told us that they would just come from having a little birthday party. Okay. So they were like one and a half or what no, like just over a year when I met her.
0: Wow, that's a yeah. huge just called just her cold, cold
2: called, <laughs> <laughs> Just cold no. calls, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better than
0: hey George, no, I'm not looking for you. Amal mom no. would be great. Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no. I wonder if she thinks about me.
0: Yeah. She doesn't.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, um, yes. Yeah. So
2: there's no celebrities this year, which in a way is also a blessing. More headspace. Right. Yeah. Think about stuff.
0: Um For you personally, how are these ideas how are you connecting to these ideas in terms of like toxic toxic masculinity and your own experiences and the Um, witch hunts?
2: I mean, the most obvious one is like I am gay. So the I always have had my sort of finger on the pulse in terms of like LGBTQ censorship Mm -hmm. and finding those people to speak on that panel was actually really easy for me because those are conversations that I'm kind of always a part of. I would say it's the climate change one that's the one that I'm the most, or I should say climate crisis, that's kind of the most Mm -hmm. at the forefront of my mind at the moment. Um, Growing up in BC, i have always surrounded by nature and and just starting to see those things happen. And, you know, people are talking about how you know the the Toronto Islands are flooding, and
0: all yeah, that. every and, year. Know, it's yeah, almost
2: June, and we're getting seasonal spring allergies right now. Like,
0: <laughs> it's raining, yeah. all the time.
2: Exactly, and so yeah, climate change is the one that I'm sort of uh, the most tuned into, and I would say I feel like we should all be very tuned. I mean, they're all right. really important, but um, that's the one that I don't think is going away. Like, I, I would not be surprised if future Luminato years, continue to be very focused on the environment and the world around us.
0: Right. Yeah. Everyone's saying it's, because everyone's saying it's not a thing now. Sorry, I got distracted by my microphone. Uh-huh. <laughs> that climate change isn't a thing or that... So a lot of people are just saying that it's, I mean, it's coming out of the president's mouth, right? So it's mm. non-existent. Right.
2: Climate change is real. Climate change is real. Say, yeah, climate change think,
0: is real. I the Earth is round. The Earth yeah. is round. The Earth is round.
2: Yeah, and uh, and I think we, you know, I th- uh, one of the things that really I keep coming back to is we are all seeing the headlines. Like you mm-hmm. open a newspaper, or you open on your tablet or phone or whatever, and it's like climate change, climate change, climate change, right? And it's all news, and i'm the thing that I'm trying to work around and struggling with, and we're all trying to figure out is how do we humanize that right? Like right. We can all read the data and the statistics, but that doesn't necessarily connect with our heart, right. and what comes from the heart goes to the heart so
0: and it feels
1: so far away exactly right it's like
2: exactly if you're
1: part of a community and you're surrounded by LGBTq talking points or conversations mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. it's easier to connect to that yeah. when you read about climate change and you're like eh, it's a little rainy here now exactly or it's a little more wet but that i don't see that exactly the extreme
2: exactly and i think yeah. and so then you, you then go see a show that maybe does kind of connect with you in some way whether it's like Kinelik, which talks about climate change mm-hmm. or you know whatever and then you come out of it and you might be like i have questions and i want right. to talk to somebody about this yeah. so that's kind of what these Forums are there for right yes. it's so that you can go hang on a minute these people who are like academics or thought leaders or whatever who know about the subjects can then um
0: that talk about that yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. I
2: think it, I really really felt it when I went to see Anthropocene at the AGO when I was like looking at all these crazy photos at the Ed Bertinsky exhibition and yeah. and others and um And I just sort of was like, dang, like who can I talk to about? Like I felt such like visceral feelings that I was Mm -hmm. like, and then so there was a few panel discussions and there was stuff that came out of that. And I think it's also just fun. Like it means that you're engaging in the art in a different way.
0: Totally. I I don't
2: know what the question was.
0: Oh, I think it was like, (laughs) how do you personally connect with these four issues that you're talking about?
2: Yeah. And then in terms of the toxic masculinity thing, that's, um, You know, you see the day-to-day stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of
0: people, a lot of men that I talk to don't even know what that is.
2: Right. Still.
0: Right. Right. What, like, the definition of toxic masculinity is.
2: Right. Wow. They should come see our, June 15th. Yeah. Uh, This is your chance. (laughs) Yeah. They, uh, I, yeah, I kind of grew, so I grew up in a house that had all my, I have three sisters and my Mm -hmm. mom- was the breadwinner. My dad was a house husband. So I grew up in a slightly different world in that I was very female focused, very Mm -hmm. sort of progressive as it were. Um, And all my friends are women. And I think it's something that I've kind of been, it's been around in my life for a while. I don't know if the wordings, because I think it's sort of a relatively new term Mm -hmm. for that. I don't know if we had the words for that, but um, yeah, it's something that I've always thought about and you know, I'm very aware of the fact that I'm talking a lot right now, but that's like, you know. We're
1: asking. Questions. You're asking. Yeah. Questions, yeah. But, okay. Uh, how would you yeah. like talk about? How would you define toxic masculinity for people that are unaware or don't think that term really applies to their lives?
2: Ooh. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I would define it as. A sense, you know, it, there's the, the sort of the mansplaining thing Is my first thought of like a man explaining something to someone, usually somebody who identifies as female, uh, about something as if they don't know what they're talking about, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just explain that to you. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm talking yeah. to the like the hypothetical person right now. Right. Um, yes. but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's this idea that men hold this, like, power over somebody or that they, um, that they, uh, you know.
1: Entitlement? Yeah, exactly.
2: Entitlement. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and if somebody says they don't know, if they don't feel that they experience that in their life, I don't know. I'd ask them to sort of question that. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I feel like everybody sees it or experiences it. Even if you don't experience it, Like I probably experience it a lot less than a woman does, right? But I can still see it, and um, where I think it's really hard and it's something I'm trying to work on is like calling it out. So when you see it and going, "Nope, that's bullshit," Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. and
0: uh, it's hard to call it out without immediately getting wild up, the other person wild up,
2: yeah, or yourself,
0: and then Mm -hmm. them just passing
1: you off as angry, Mm -hmm. exactly, right? Like how do you keep your cool, but your Dignity. Dignity. And you're like not being fluffy around it or not being overly.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know if sensitive is the right word. Yeah. But like not getting riled up about it, but being sure in what you're saying so that the person understands you and takes you seriously. Mm
2: -hmm. And you have to be in an environment that you feel safe to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important factor. It's totally important. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, this could hypothetically be your boss or it could be your, you know, whatever. Right. And, um, how do you engage in those conversations? Yeah. I mean, this is the beginning of a journey that we're collectively, everybody's going through. So, I mean, some people have been going through it for a long time. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Also, the response of, like, well, I'm just explaining something to you. Well, no, yeah. I already know it. Does it yeah. need to be? If you, <laughs> Do you think you it needed me, to be explained? Yeah. Did you ask me if I needed
2: <laughs> exactly. Help? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's an interesting question, I think, to. And also, I think I don't. I, you know, we all live in like our bubbles and Mm -hmm. in my bubble, I don't have a lot of people who don't know what that is. Right. So it's like an interesting question that I'm going to start probably meeting people who aren't in that kind of bubble. I've got to actually side tangent. I've got a really good friend of mine is currently living out of his car and traveling around America for the next two years to meet people who are like outside of his bubble. So he can have these kinds of conversations.
0: Interesting.
2: Because he is tired of constantly living in a sort of like, his little echo chamber. So, oh
1: yeah. We're constant. people are just reinforcing the yeah. same ideas you have. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yes. So
2: he's uh so I, I should check in with him and see how that's going. Right. He's in Colorado right now. Is he
1: like doing interviews? Is he like documenting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, all
2: yeah. on Instagram. Oh and, wow. Yeah, I'm uh, Share that with you later. Cause I don't have my phone with me on me at the moment, but uh, yeah. yeah, he's just traveling around. And, and, and I think a lot of it is around those kinds of questions, you know, in a sort of Trump mm-hmm. America, like what does that mean?
1: Right. So, right. Yeah. I had a discussion the other day with a friend who I discovered for the first time was pro life. Mm. Mm. And it took a lot of my effort not to get upset while I was talking to this person because just like my personal experience with Mm -hmm. those topics. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I was like, how can I talk to this person in a way that is not demeaning Mm -hmm doesn't get angry, and we don't need to come to a conclusion, I don't need to change their mind, Mm -hmm. but how do I just, like, open the dialogue?
2: And how did you do that?
1: Um, They brought it up to me, which was interesting, and I was like, I feel like if you would know me, you would know my feelings about this. Right. Right.
0: It's hard, too, because when people bring those things up to you who you're so close with, you think they're joking at first. You don't really take it, like oh, this is actually your opinion. And then there's that weird moment where it's like about yeah. to be, you know, yes. two worlds kind of colliding and yeah. exploding.
2: Yeah. yeah. I have somebody in my family who's a Trump supporter and mm. has an American citizenship and did vote for Trump. And it's that's a conversation I've just been, it's a ball I've been kicking around for a bit of like, how am I going to talk about that, right? right. Or we don't talk about the fact that I'm gay or in a relationship and, but eventually I'll sort of figure that out. It comes back do to me. they like,
1: know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they know they just don't talk about it. It's just it. not
2: talked about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um Yeah. You know, it takes a bit of it's probably really lots of, uh, <laughs> okay. uh yeah, it's just figuring that out. There'll be yeah. there yeah. will I I do believe that there will come a time when it feels right to mention it and mm-hmm. to have that conversation. Yeah, right. Darren Greatly, Brene Brown.
0: Right. I mean my dad just this past weekend and at the dinner table just went, Explain to me this abortion stuff mm. in the middle of a dinner table and it's just me and him. Wow. <laughs> so he oh. just just doesn't didn't understand what was happening.
2: I mean, I guess it's what cause he's asking?
0: Yes, yes. No, totally. Yeah. He was just curious. Yeah. He did, he, he did. Yeah. But it was interesting that these like generations of yeah older people are now trying to figure it out because it's on the news. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like so different from anything that they've ever known. Totally, And they don't like understand a lot of it. Like Mm -hmm. he really was just like listening until I brought up the fact that like if it, if you become a felon you can't vote Mm -hmm. and then you so you're like eliminating such a large portion of like the woman's vote by right. making abortion illegal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then he was like, "Oh, well, that's fucking terrible." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, yeah, yeah,
1: It's <laughs> a yeah. 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 it's a method of control. It's a method of control and keeping the, you know, people yeah. in power in power and keeping the da- the people that are low, low.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly
1: what it is. Yeah. And that's actually how the conversation went with my friend right. cool. that had brought this up to me. I was like, I was like, I really think that it is, you know, really tied up in systematic racism and class difference. Mm -hmm. Mm. And then they were like, oh, maybe. And then I was like, I have a book for you. Mm. (laughs) And so I gave them a book. Cool. Which book was it? Um, It's the one that was here. Mm. Uh, Oh, it's called The Moral Argument for Choice. Okay. And it's written by a doctor who's an African-American man abortion provider in the South. Wow. And a a Christian. Wow. So he writes it from both like an academic science background and from a religious background and how they're intertwined.
2: Wow. I I should read that. It's so good. Yeah, that's great. These are the kinds of things that I feel like in the witch hunts panel it's going to come up even though that's not necessarily what each of the panelists are kind of like experts on. I feel Mm -hmm. like I, the moment we open those audience questions, it's going to be like, here we go. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> wants to talk. And it's going to be, I've already prepped all of my technical career. This one's going to run a bit longer.
0: <laughs> how is I mean, you might not know the answer to this question, but like, how are you guys marketing it to not only women, but also people that identify as male? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. That's
2: a really good question. I don't know the answer to that, actually. I yeah. think, um, to be totally honest, I, I, we haven't had that conversation. Yeah. and. You know, I think with the marketing of anything within a festival, there's always a capacity thing of like there are so many shows to market that some of them you just need to put them out there and see who, you know. I know for a fact that like the Witch Hunts panel is already almost like 50% sold. I put in quotations because it's a free talk, but Mm -hmm. um, it's very likely that it will sell out. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how much the marketing team is even kind of have their finger on that pulse, but I can. Oh,
0: yes, it's already
2: yeah, if it's doing well, it's doing well. But I know what you mean. There's like, there's the there's the short term conversation of like we must put butts in seats, and there's the long term conversation of like what is our audience development?
0: Yeah, and yes. also because yeah. it's to me, you bring something like that up, and I'm like, oh, do you know who's going to be in the majority of those panels yeah. in terms of toxic masculinity yeah. and that? Yeah, women.
2: Yeah, Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And is that really the people that need to? And is it going to be people that need to hear these conversations and that need to hear these discussions happening? And then how do we? Bring people that, or is it
1: already people that are talking about them in their day to day life and are interested?
2: Exactly. How do you reach the people that aren't?
0: Yes. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And I think that's a really big question. And okay. I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll take it back to the office. And, <laughs> and
0: have but I think Monday Nights is going to do great because it it kind of markets itself towards just like a show about basketball.
2: Exactly. Which is
0: going to mm-hmm. bring in.
2: And then the getcha.
0: And then she's like, just yeah. kidding. It's like Daniel Sloss's new show is all about toxic masculinity and this oh. comedian.
2: Okay. And his is really supposed yeah. to be amazing. I feel that way. Did you, ever, did you guys see uh, Chicho by Augusta Bitter? Oh. No. So there was a one-man show at the Theater Passe Mariah, and he, it was that same thing. First 20 minutes, it was just like you felt like you knew what it was, and you're like, bam! He was going into, like, queer culture, Venezuela, what's going on in the current... And you're just like, oh, you got me. Like, I love <laughs> those shows that yeah. you think you know what it is for the first 15, 20 minutes, and then it's like, nope, we're going to go much deeper here, and we're... and. And you're already engaged. and right. That's intelligent. I mm-hmm, think that's yeah. good writing. And, and I and think Monday nights will be that.
1: It, like, builds trust with the audience. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And I think, you know, Monday nights is going to have a moment because it's basketball. And, like, we're collectively having a great time in the city. And then,
1: The city went crazy.
2: Oh, yeah. It was nuts. <laughs> nice. I listened to it on the radio. I wasn't because I was in an Uber or something coming back from... Well, I was at a party or something. Yeah. We listened to the final four seconds in this Uber. On the radio. Which takes ages. And the Uber <laughs> driver was like, I'm not leaving. Like, hey, like outside my house, just listening to it. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good like collective community building moment. Yeah. And totally. it's not over. So It's not over. Well, at the time of this recording.
0: <laughs> at the time of this recording. Yeah. yeah. never know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it won't be over yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any other questions? Um... Do you ever, when you're watching these shows, you don't miss acting at all? You're not looking at it thinking, like, do you have any questions about going back? Do you Mm -hmm. think about even just hopping in for a short period? I
2: kind of jokingly say, like, if someone paid me and if it was a fun show, I would totally do it. But, yeah, yeah, no, the only time I really miss acting is when I'm really stressed out as a producer or anxious about something There's a different level of anxiety that happens when you're a producer that has, oh, like, a yeah. fiscal responsibility about money. And there's a timing. And there's, mm-hmm. you're ultimately trying to make sure everybody's safe and having a good time. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you're, like, looking at the whole piece, the whole pie. Right? right. And actually, when you're an actor, it's a bit different. It's, like, one piece of the pie. And I miss that. I miss just being in a very creative headspace.
0: Right. Right. And how do you pick the shows that you want to produce? Or do you...
2: I mean, right now I'm very specifically kind of full-time at Luminato, and so that's right. a conversation between me and the artistic director as to what shows I'm, like, producing. Like, so I do the Illuminating Ideas, and I'm also right. producing two other shows. So I'm producing Kinelek, mm-hmm. uh The Sharp Tools, at the Berkeley Street, and I'm also producing The Cave, which is mm-hmm. a new John Millard Thompson Highway piece that's going to be at Soul Pepper. Uh, and those ones are kind of, they're just kind of given to me, in a way. Um, Based on some, like when I'm available and you know, what I might be interested in. Right. In terms of like external work, like I worked on that Honest Ed's closing party immersive art maze, and that was right. like, oh, I wanted to do that, and so I said, I put my hat in the ring. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a gut thing. It's like you have to be really passionate about what you want to be producing because you're living with it for a really long time. Right. Yeah. And if you're not passionate, it's really hard, and you have to uh, pretend to be passionate. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That's acting. So sometimes I actually feel like I'm acting all the time because I have to
0: Because yeah. the emotional labor of it.
2: Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. And it's all a performance. Right. But uh, No, I don't I don't really miss acting. But then sometimes I look at actors on camera or, or stage and I'm like, dang, you're so good. Yeah. They're like so much better than I would ever be.
1: But because they're passionate.
2: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: And it's what they want to do.
2: And they're in the moment and it's yes. exactly and I think yes. um, they're
0: going there.
2: Exactly. Yes. They've you know, committed. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I'd love to do some dance.
0: Have you danced yeah. before, or did you dance?
2: Before? I danced as a kid with because of my sisters, um, and then when I was in London, I did a work a dance workshop with Punchdrunk mm-hmm. um, with, with Maxine. With Maxine, and actually, that was the earlier when I was talking about how like the first time I was ever born in a rehearsal, and it was a choreographer. That was who that was. Which <laughs> is like, I didn't want to mention any names because it's crazy because she's like Maxine Doyle is like one of the craziest and most amazing choreographers, but. Uh, yeah, no, I just sort of sat there and being like, I'd do that differently.
1: It's, it could also just be not your
0: thing. <laughs> it, was t- it was totally
2: a taste thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah it could have been Suggest like what it. she's it. researching. Suggest and
2: she was amazing. So
0: specific. Her research is so specific.
2: Exactly. And uh, we had a really good time. And the, and the way they build, it was a sort of dance workshop, but it was about how they build the structure of their shows and then later mm. we turned it to like, how they design their shows. And it was... Um, and it was super interesting. Oh, it was incredible. It was sort of run through the national theater and it was just like a two week intensive when we were all just like, this is incredible. Right. (laughs) Why are we so lucky? Yes, Um, But I am not a great dancer. Like I'm not, uh, whatever. I think everyone's a good dancer. It's just like, if you have the passion and I was definitely (laughs) passionate those two weeks, but Mm -hmm. it would be fun. Mm -hmm. It's just freeing. You know what I mean?
0: Totally. How
2: long have you two been dancing for?
0: I mean, my mom owns a studio, so I've been dancing since I was like. In there. Wow! We <laughs> nice. need the, the belly, belly. In the womb. belly. Yeah. motion In for all of our listeners. <laughs> what about you? I've been dancing since
1: I was six. Wow! So like twenty-one years. Wow. Yeah.
2: Wow. Oh, We're the same age.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Yeah. When you dance, you have to start really young. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh,
2: well, you don't have to. But, but
1: I mean, not if you're a guy. Um. <laughs> Is the, mm. the penis point joke that I will mm. make right now. Right, 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 right. <laughs>
2: right. That yeah. whole
0: other side of it. Yeah.
2: Have you, uh, do you? Do you guys produce your own shows as well?
0: I'm actually producing an immersive work this upcoming year.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. What is it? Oh, is it a secret? A little bit.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'll talk
1: to you about it after. Okay, uh, Off yeah. the record, As right. a company, we haven't produced live work, but we've produced dance
0: films together oh cool yeah nice and And, obviously you produce a podcast and we do this yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) and then corinne's probably going to help with the producing of the immersive
2: the secret show Mm -hmm. show. that's really exciting (laughs) yeah yeah it's a it's fun i think you know when you've got the passion and you've got the drive it it all happens i really do also believe that like the right things happen at the right time and things do fall into place and great at the end of the day it's just a show
0: Right, like right. Sh- it's just a stupid dance. It's just, totally. a, stu- it's just a stupid stupid <laughs> fucking dance. Johnson <laughs> Burroughs. <Stupid laughs> dance. Yeah. And
2: you know, like last week I produced Liberato's sort of gala show. Yes. Was, um, how did it go? It was great. Yeah. It was totally chaotic. And like it was a sort of like multi sensory immersive dinner party that was like four hours long for very small, like seventy guests. And it was kind of at the Great Hall and we took over all of the spaces. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very stressful. And I'm sort of on a, on a bit of an energy come down from that. But um, I remember distinctly uh, saying to myself, "It's just a dinner party. It's just a dinner yeah. party." Yeah, like, you have to I mean, remember I've, exactly. So either of you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? Yes. Uh,
0: Do you remember
2: yes. season five <laughs> with Jinx Monsoon, and they were like, it's "Water off a duck's back." Water off a yes.
0: duck's back. <laughs> that is
2: like constantly running through my mind. Every time I get stressed out, it's like "water off a duck's back." It's just a dinner party. <laughs> Um, but it's true, right? It's like, yes. I think about all the times I've gone to see a show where I'm like, that sucked. And then you go to dinner afterwards, you go home, and you're like, you never think about it again. Yeah, So I'm know. like, oh, right. But this is just a play, or it's just a dance show, or just a dinner yeah. party. And even if they don't like it, they don't like it. We're not saving the world here. New York City totally. will not burn down if this dinner party doesn't go completely yeah. to plan.
0: I know I had a friend who's in, who does marketing for like a tech company. Oh, yeah. And she was talking about how she gets like, emails at like six in the morning about like some deadlines. And she's like, we're not saving the fucking world.
2: Exactly. She's
0: like, and she, she's really trying to get into like charity work and like working with like nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, I don't want to fucking get your email at six mm-hmm. in the morning. Like, this has nothing to do with the UN. This has nothing to do with war. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to talk about it at yeah. six in the morning. You exactly. Know? It's, exactly. Yeah. Boundaries, man.
2: Boundaries, man. <laughs> I am getting really good at switching off on the weekends. Like that's one of my new favorite things to mm-hmm. do. Is like Friday afternoon, emails are off. I mean, right now because we're in the festival, it's a bit different. It's hard. All
0: of my emails and come in on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Do you find that? Like uh, yeah. every, I get literally between the hours of one o'clock and six o'clock on Friday, I will get thirty-five yeah. emails because yeah. yeah. everybody's like, "Oh, we need this dealt with,"
1: oh, yeah, totally. or They're I like need to taking send things it. Things
2: off their boxes. Yeah. yeah. They're like,
1: I need to put it out in someone else's hands. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it is hard. I mean, even last night I was getting worked up over an email I got at like seven p.m. and I was like. I'm just going to go to the gym and not deal with this. Totally. By the time I was out of the gym, I was totally... I'd forgotten about it. So, But switching the emails off, boundaries, it's really important.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Is being an artist fucking killing you?
2: Um, I'm coping.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) It was... Yeah. It was killing me more before I started producing. I think... So I've always been a very anxious person. And the reason where... Sorry, I'm going for a long answer here. Is that Mm -hmm. okay? Do it. Go for it. Dive in. Um, So I've always been very anxious. I was always a worrier. Like I didn't sleep well as a kid, and then it was actually through homeschooling that I learned so much in terms of like about my time management and about getting things, getting shit done because I had to do my schooling. So I learned how to like manage what I needed to do, and I built all that around me. And I think. Uh, as much as producing is completely anxiety-inducing, it's mm-hmm. also a huge coping mechanism. Yeah. Like because I need to know everything and I need to sort of have an overseeing control of everything, I it's really calming.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what I've been learning too, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how do you,
2: like, how do you mean?
1: Um, well, I've found that since moving to Toronto and starting to produce my own work, my anxiety has like shifted, mm. but. Until like, I've started to notice that I'm a control freak, Mm -hmm. but having something that I'm making and something that needs to be so involved Mm -hmm. is helpful with that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm not just like sitting at home and twiddling my thumbs and being like, why is no one calling me? Why don't I have a job? Why isn't this not happening now that I have more control over what I'm doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's helpful because I'm making things. Exactly. The anxiety
2: becomes motivating versus debilitating. Yes. Right. And I think that for me is my constant, I'm always feeling anxious about something and it's like, am I still getting up in the morning to do the thing or am I staying in my bed, not doing the thing? Mm -hmm. And I haven't had to deal with that since like leaving London. Yes. But it's, yeah, it's
0: not having a reason to wake up in the morning is the worst. Yeah. 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 yes. Debilitating.
2: <laughs> totally. totally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not killing me.
0: No,
1: that's good. At the moment. But I've also noticed that producing your own work, like you were talking about, the visceral feelings you have mm-hmm. are very different than being in someone's work. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm also, like, full disclosure, I'm very lucky that I'm working for an organization where I don't have to do the fundraising, I don't have right. to do the marketing. Right. Yes, I have my fingers in those pies and I support where I can, but like actually producing my own work and actually like what you guys are doing now is like like a totally different thing right mm-hmm. the scope and the scale is different but the actual like uh, stress like on, on a side note I'm producing with a group of friends this like retreat in July where we're all going like camping for a weekend <laughs> and we have to like put the money down for our deposit and then mm-hmm. sell tickets to people to come to this camping retreat and it's like that's more stressful than what I'm currently <laughs> doing because there's like my own money on the line in a way yes. that I don't have that with Luminato.
0: Right.
2: So, it's just different, <laughs> different stresses for different situations. Right, right. But, uh, you get through it and ultimately it's a camping trip. So.
0: <laughs> it's just a fucking camping <laughs> it's trip. It's just a fucking ride. camping trip. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I just try and keep it, I keep it chill. I have, having said that, there is the amount of people, especially last week when I was like very, very stressed out about this luminescence dinner party, everyone's like, You seem so calm. And I'd be like, Really? There's a fucking tempest inside. <laughs> like, there was a lot going on there. And I think, uh, but I do feel like I'm getting better at I meditate a lot and uh, I journal a lot and I do a lot. I have a very intense morning routine that I sort of connect back with myself and do all that stuff. But during the actual running of luminescence, I felt. For the first time, I was able to like keep my cool. Like, you know, that mm. idea of like you're like a duck in water where you're like on top of the water, you're like gliding, but under, yeah, exactly. Under the ground, your feet are going like crazy. Mm-hmm. When I was at Luminescence, I felt like my feet were going crazy, <laughs> but I was, my like calm sense of self was able to like always overpower it. Right. I right. maybe lost my cool like once, but actually, it was like a four hour event and I was there all day and I was super sleep deprived. So I think, um, yeah, meditation helps for sure. Self-care. Yeah. And and I'm very sort of strict about keeping my like work nights pretty sober. Like I don't really drink or do anything else. So
0: mm-hmm. nothing anxiety inducing Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like right. it's knowing always, your triggers.
2: Exactly. It's always there. I just need to know to like acknowledge it and let it go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I get it. That's yeah. a
0: great, great place to end. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank, you, Thank you, so much. you. Is
1: there anything you want to plug?
2: Illuminato. <laughs> Uh, June 7th to 23rd, so that's next week. Uh, yeah, come and join the Illuminating Ideas panel discussions and there's films by Hot Docs and there's The Art of Resistance at the 519 where you can just like, if you don't want to talk to anybody, you can just make some art uh-huh. um, and then we've obviously got really cool shows like Kinilic talking about climate change. We've got Triptych talking about LGBTQ censorship and uh, and other things. There's kind of, there's something for everyone this year for sure and it's super diverse, super interesting, super political and uh into, yeah. it. Into it. Into it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, excited. Yeah. So I'll hopefully see you there. I will be the one looking calm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a duck. Uh, I'm, I'm, like I'm duck. going and whisper in your ear. Water
2: we'll <laughs> exactly. we'll yes, <laughs> a back. water a back. Yeah. this podcast is sponsored by Ducks.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Go to our Facebook and follow us. Go to our Instagram and follow us. We are on Spotify, iTunes, rate us, leave us a review, tell us what you think. And go buy your tickets for Luminato because it is coming up and mm-hmm. you don't want to miss the boat on it. So And go buy your tickets for Luminato because it's going to sell out quickly. And we have a discount code for you guys for 15% off. When you're purchasing your tickets, if you enter galpal15 and you can purchase any ticket with 15% off, that excludes House of Mirrors and Masquerade. But there's lots of other really great shows.
2: And lots yeah. of free shows. Too. Lots of, <laughs> tons of free of shows.
0: Yeah. So, yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, it's galpal15. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks. Thank you. See you later.